All right. Hey, uh, thanks for saying hi to somebody. Um, if you are watching at home, I'm going to say hi to you. If you don't have anybody to say hi to, if you're not texting anyone, then hey, we can say hi to each other. Uh, if you're with a house gathering, I hope you guys are having a blast wherever you are, wherever you're gathering. Um, and if you're in the room here, hi, thanks for saying hi to somebody. And if this is your first time kind of back around other like uh, humans that you don't live with, like beyond who you live with, um, hope, hope you're doing well and having a good, good time being here and, and comfortable and, and all that. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm the lead pastor here at Mosaic, and it's, it's great to be with you this morning. I um, just... I haven't looked online or on TV this morning. Are the Olympics done? Did we just, did those close out? Okay, flames gone, like that kind of completed. Okay, good. And, um, and we won, right? I care about that. I don't know if you care about that. I care that we won. I'm so glad that we won. We had more medals than anyone else. Uh, that's not a new thing. We do that all the time. And uh, I'm just really excited about that, but particularly excited that our women's indoor volleyball team won the gold medal. In case you didn't know that. Um, and if you're like, why would he mention that and not men's rowing or judo or something else? And uh, there's a, a very specific reason. There is a family in, in our church who has a daughter who plays on, on the team. And so we're celebrating with Brad and Terry Hill and their family. And it was so fun to see them on like national, global NBC TV. And they're, little, they're, they're on vacation with their family just watching the gold medal game and had a great time doing that. And so uh, Abby and I stayed up last night and watched that um, kind of on and off. I got a little too nervous, turned it off, turned it back on, that, that whole thing, and then watched it finished out. So we won. So that was, that was great. But um, so anyways, if you missed the Olympics, um, go to YouTube and watch some of it. Um, it, was, it was great and exciting and all of that. Um, I want to invite you to, to pray with me, and, uh, and then we're going to look to Scripture together. So let's pray. God, in all of the places that we are right now, as we're in this room, in this building in Portland, Oregon, as we're online around our city, as we're meeting in wherever our house gatherings are meeting, whether that's Zoom or in a home or in a backyard or in a park. We as your daughters and sons acknowledge that you are the one true good and loving and gracious creator of the universe, that you see and know and watch over each and every one of us, that you love us more than we can even comprehend, that as we just sang in that song that you hold us in in your hand, that you hold everything in your hand, that you are above and beyond all things. And God, we declare you in this place and in our minds and in our hearts as, as great and as just and as full of mercy and as faithful. And Holy Spirit, as we take this moment in our week to stop and to pause and to listen to you and to sing to you and to meet with you. We ask that you would, that you would stir in us, that you would awaken something that's been dormant too long, that you would convict in an area that we've been seeking to ignore, that you would sharpen us in a direction that you're calling us to go, that you would work in us right now, in us as individuals, in us as families, in us as a church. And Jesus, we are able to pray these things and ask these things 
because of who you are and what you've done. And so we declare your good news and your story in our lives and in this moment this morning, that you came and that you lived a sinless life, a perfect life, that you were crucified, buried, you conquered death and rose again. And so we retell and we sing and we remind ourselves of that truth that gives us life. And so Jesus, would you guide us and teach us this morning as we look to you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I want to I do uh, three things together uh, today. Uh, the, the first is I want us to look at a prayer of renewal. Uh, we've been in a series that we've called Prayers of Renewal, and we've been looking at a prayer uh, over a course of a couple weeks or each and every week throughout the summer, and so I want to do that. It's a little bit of a different kind of one uh, today, but I want to do that as look at a prayer of renewal. The second thing I want to do is honor a friend, and the third thing I want to do is lead us into communion. Um, so prayer of renewal, honor a friend, uh, lead us into, into communion. If you have a Bible, find your way to the book of Jeremiah. It's a large book, um, and it is a little past midway through if you've got a whole Bible in front of you. Uh, it's, it's there. If not, you can just search for it on your screen and find it. But Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. So as we've been, we've been in this series that we've called Prayers of Renewal, if you, if you kind of haven't been tracking with us, or let, let me kind of bring you up to speed. Um, there's been this thing that has altered life around the globe for the last, I don't know how many, 15, 16, 17 months now, and uh, it has changed our lives in significant ways, and there's different ways to approach what's going on in the world around us. Um, to deny it, to ignore it, to just hold your breath and get through it, uh, to start planning when things get back to normal, whatever you think that is. There's a lot of different ways to respond to that. And in the end of spring, as we headed towards summer, we as a church just decided, let's just, let's just stop and listen to what God is calling us to. And one of those things is that he's calling us to be renewed, that we actually need to be renewed in some new ways. As individuals, as a church, there's even things that need to be renewed, as we all know, in our city and in our world. And there's ways to go about that. And one of the ways to do that is to, is to seek the face of God. And so we said, let's, let's spend this summer looking throughout scripture where we see God bringing renewal. It's all through the story that God puts in the Bible and gives to us. It's all in our own stories that we can say that this is where God's brought renewal into my life, where part of my life was dead, where my soul was dead and separated from God and he brought it to life, where a relationship was dead and he healed it and restored it, where a direction or clarity or hope for the future was gone and he provided it again in a new way. And we see that happening throughout Scripture. So we've taken a look at a number of prayers of renewal in, in Scripture, and we want to we learn from that and emulate that and model that and experience that. Here's the definition of renewal that we've used throughout this summer. Renewal is this. It's new life experienced in individuals, in communities, and in cultures when aligned or realigned with the presence of God, with God's presence, when people experience God, experience God face-to-face, experience his voice, intimacy, connection with God, when we get aligned with who he is or realigned where we've been out of alignment, come back into alignment with God, of walking with Jesus in this life brings new life, resulting in participation in God's kingdom purposes for the world. So once we're connected with Jesus, then he actually wants to work through us in the lives of others and those around us, not reverse. Now, we get it reversed a lot of times where we think, if I can just do enough good things for Jesus, then I'll be valued or loved or healed or renewed or blessed. 
And all, all throughout scripture, what we see is that when people get in step with the God of the universe, into a relationship with Jesus, then he's able to work through them in the lives of others. This is what renewal is, and this is kind of the simple definition. I wanna look at a, a little bit of a different kind of prayer of renewal. It's one sentence, it's in, it's in this interesting season in the life of God's people, of, of Israel. And one of the things about scripture is that we believe that God speaks to us through this book. That doesn't mean that there's times where it's difficult to read and understand, it, it is. I've been reading it majority of my life and I still find times where I need a lot of other help to understand what's going on and there's depths and layers of it that are, are new every week of my life. And yet the God of the universe speaks to us through this book and one of the ways that he speaks to us is, is by telling a story. And one of the great stories that takes up a lot of the pages of scripture is how God relates to a people that he chooses as his own. And he chooses the, the Israelites. First he starts with Abraham and then uh, the Hebrew people and all the, uh, the adventures and crazy things that go on. And, and then they, they get into the land and they get this land and they become this nation. But then they get out of alignment with God. They, they disobey, they sin, they turn their back on him. They break their promises, the covenant they have with God. And, and God is trying to lovingly discipline them back into relationship with him. And one of the ways that he does that is he allows this, this nation, this powerful, crazy nation called Babylon to come in and to take many of the nation of Israel and take them to a very foreign, distant, different kind of land and experience and home where they're exiled. They experience exile. And it's in this exile that we're going to read this one sentence in this context of this bigger message that God is delivering to his people. They're still his people, even though they've turned their backs on him in so many ways. This prayer of renewal that, that we're gonna hear is for those of us that might feel distant from God. That when we were over here, we felt really connected with God. But now we find ourselves way over here and we can't hear his voice. We don't feel his presence. We don't experience him when we sing when we're quiet and we pause and there's silence, we wonder if he's even there. It's a prayer of renewal for those of us that have tasted that or are experiencing that right now. When the people of Israel were exiled in Babylon, God spoke to them through Jeremiah, the prophet. And he gives them this, this long message. And then right in the middle of it, in chapter 29, the book of Jeremiah, in verse 13, we find this sentence. God is speaking to his people who feel very distant from him. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Chances are for some of you, you've heard that before. In fact, maybe you've got it memorized. In fact, maybe you've bought some kind of something that is in your home and it's maybe on a coffee cup somewhere. And you're like, this is an awesome sentence. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That, that's not just a line to just kind of warm our hearts. Although if it does that, that's fantastic. That's a good thing. But what this is, is it's this declaration from the God of the universe that is not just saying, this is what will happen, but it's saying, 
plan on this happening. This is a promise. When you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. This is for a people that are in a different land that speaks a different language, that has a different kind of food, that has a different kind of custom, that is far, 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 far away from the place where they planted crops and raised animals and built homes and had families and had their land in their place with their God. They are very, 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 very far away from that. And it's in that that God speaks to them and says, we're gonna be together again. You're gonna experience me again. You're gonna know me again. We're gonna be friends and family and I'm gonna be your God and you're gonna be my people. You'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. For many of us, when we hear that, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands or record it anywhere, but when we hear that, there might be this this instinct in us, this intuition in us of, okay, what do I have to do? What does it mean that it's all my heart? Because there's very, very few things that I do with all my heart. And I'm not sure I know how to seek God with all of my heart. I don't know how to do that. And I'm gonna say just for the moment that, that that doesn't matter. What God is saying, what God wants us to know, what God wants you to know, what God wants me to know right now this morning is that he wants to be known by me, by you, by all of humanity. That he's made himself available, that his desire, that his heart is to be known by us. He's not concerned necessarily of what it means for all of our heart at the beginning. What he wants us to know, what he was communicating through Jeremiah to his people who were confused and in despair in a foreign land was that I want you to know me still. I've not turned my back on you completely. I've not forgotten you. I've not stopped wanting to be with you. He's saying, I want to be with you. I want to be known by you. I want you to know me more and more and more. It's a different kind of prayer renewal because it's from God talking to us. And I think any kind of communication can be fit under the banner of prayer and so I'm fitting this as a prayer of renewal from God to me. That he's saying to me, You'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart because he wants to be known. And when we know God, when we're in his presence, we experience renewal. I mentioned I want to honor a friend today. Um, I want to honor a friend because I think he models this so well. We can read a verse like this, we can hear this message from God to the people of Israel then in Babylon and to us today that, that there's this invitation from the creator God of the universe to be known by him and to know him, to be in relationship with him, to experience, I'm gonna use this big word, intimacy. Some of us, we leap when we hear that word. Others of us sweat a little bit and get paralyzed because we're not sure we know how to do that whatsoever. But the God of the universe wants to to know us and be known by us, to experience a relationship that's characterized by intimacy. And I have a friend who is a great example of this to me. Uh, I wanna honor him today because today is August 8th and it was two years ago exactly today that Paul Rhodes passed away suddenly. Paul Rhodes, uh, I've described Paul as uh, the person, in my opinion, on a human level, the human being that has more influenced our church, Mosaic, than any other single individual human. 
Jesus is way above Paul, just to be clear, but I think Paul's been really influential in the life of Mosaic. Uh, Paul um, died suddenly um, in the evening of August 8th, 2019. Um, he wasn't sick, he wasn't ill, it was an accident. He was on a, uh, a deck and a railing broke and he, he fell and was gone instantly. It was about, gosh, I think it was maybe two, no, it was one week, one week before he turned, I think, 67 years old. Lived a, a full life. His wife, Becky, his two kids and grandkids would have liked him to live a lot longer. All of us that knew him wish that he would have lived a lot longer. Paul was a, um, grew up in Japan, a son of, of missionaries, um, moved to to Portland, Oregon, to go to Multnomah University that was then Multnomah Bible College. And he went on to seminary and was a pastor for 20 years and was a leader of other leaders for another 20 years and then worked with um, one of our former pastors, Morris Dirks, in leading soul formation here uh, in the Portland area, but had a wide reach of leaders that it influenced. And Paul helped start Mosaic, mentor its early leaders, develop mentors who mentored other leaders over the years here. Um, I had the privilege of growing up in the church that, that Paul was a pastor, and so I don't have a time in my life that I don't remember Paul. I've known Paul my entire life. Um, and he began mentoring me uh, 16 years ago. Um, and was actually instrumental in how God called Abby and I and our family to Mosaic. I want to honor him today because it's two years since he, he passed. But I also want to honor him today because he exemplified this. He exemplified a human being, a man, who sought Jesus with all his heart and experienced an intimacy with the creator God of the universe that was vulnerable, that was on display, that was flawed, that was pursuing, that was running after God constantly, that was growing and changing even into his seventh decade. That Paul modeled an intimacy with Jesus that is impacting so many hundreds if not thousands of leaders and then all those that they get to serve and lead and pastor. He, he, he modeled this really, really well, and he would point to it often. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I, I read that and I hear it and I see the words. And I have a similar reaction of, God, how do, I, how do I seek you with all my heart? That just, does, that just seems like out of reach. And this, a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light, like what? I want that one. And Paul, often through tears, because he cried, way, way too much. He was on our teaching team for a while and he would cry every single time he got up to teach. 
If you knew him well, you could tell he was crying when he was praying before he even started. He just cried all the time. But he would read this through, through tears and he would say, I've, I've tasted it. And then it goes away. And then it comes back and I taste it again. And then it goes away. But I know that my Savior wants me to have a light burden and a yoke that's easy. That he wants me to walk through this life with a confidence and a depth of relationship with the God of the universe that gives me joy and peace and hope. I love how Paul just put that on display. I had this unique privilege of um, being mentored by him. And in our last uh, about four years, of that part of our relationship, he, he notified me that he wanted to change it from a mentoring relationship to a spiritual direction relationship. And um, my response to that was, whatever you wanna call it, I don't care. I'm gonna come in here and ask my questions and get stuff figured out a little bit more and just be with you and leave encouraged and filled up. And, and he said, no, it doesn't quite work like that. I'm gonna start listening to God with you. And so our relationship changed a bit and we we walked in a different kind of intimacy and what that did for me was allow me not just to rely on Paul, but in his gentle and firm way, say, no, Tim, you you need Jesus. And so I'm gonna walk with you toward Jesus and not let you just rely on me anymore. And initially I hated that because I could hear Paul a lot clearer than I could hear Jesus. And over time, what he was able to help me do was to see how Jesus' voice was so much better than his. And his gentle and firm way said, no, you need to pray. Let's listen together. I'll pray and get us started, then you go where you need to go. One of the things that that Paul was absolutely passionate about was finishing well, which he did. But he defined finishing well in these ways. There's, there's, three, there's three things that he would point to and say this is, this is finishing well. To end our lives more in love with Jesus at the end than in the beginning. The second thing is this, more passionate about Jesus' mission than our own. And finally, more sacrificial of our time, talents, and treasures at the end than at the beginning. Just a simple, clear, helpful definition of where is it that God wants to take us? That we love Jesus more, that we know Jesus and love him more, that we're passionate about what Jesus came to do and be, his mission, and that we're more sacrificial at the end of our life than at the beginning that as we go through our life, we grow in our ability to sacrifice for those around us. And he wanted to finish well. And then he said this, that there's there's five habits of people. He was often talking specifically about leaders, but five habits of people who finish well. They're constantly checking in on their calling. Who am I and what has God created me for? What's the dynamic sense of calling? The second of these five is, a lifelong learner, that we're always learning, 
The third is repeated times of renewal. And fourth is mentoring and being mentored, that we're having people that are speaking into our life and we're speaking into others. And that we have a, a lifetime perspective on life and service. That whether we're at the, the mountaintops or the valleys, the really good times or the really horrible times, that we can step back and go, God's faithful, God is in control. Whether everything looks so good from where I'm at or if I can't see my way through, it's too dark. That we can pause in those moments and go, God is in control. I can look back over the things that I'm grieving or struggling with. I can look back over the things that are really good and see God was present in all of it. In the midst of these five, the middle one is repeated times of renewal. That as we go through our life, if we're going to become more in love with Jesus, if we're going to become more passionate about his mission, if we're going to become more sacrificial like Jesus was with those around us, if we're going to grow toward that, it's going to take repeated times of renewal. It's probably going to have to happen daily. It's going to happen weekly. It's going to happen yearly. It's going to be this renewal. And this is what we see over and over throughout Scripture, that where there is crisis, where there is pain, where there is loss, where there is death, God is breathing new life. God is showing up and saying, come be with me, come be aligned with me, come be realigned with me, come hear my voice, come sit in my presence, come be with me so that we can move forward together. My friend Paul's heartbeat was that people would hear the voice of Jesus. They, they would experience the peace and the joy that comes from being with Jesus that they would experience new life, renewal, for the next day, for the next week, for the next year, for the next season of life. So that they could head towards that finish line of being more in love with Jesus, more passionate about his mission, and more sacrificial with all of who they are and what they have. God's promise to the exiled people of Israel was that he was still their God and he would be with them and make himself known to them. That promise is for us today as well, that we would seek the face of God, the heart of God, the voice of God. One of the ways that we do that, whether you realize it or not, is through communion, where we, where we pause our schedules and our calendars and we just sit and say, let's, let's remember the story of who Jesus is and what he's done and be with Jesus in the moment of communion. We're learning to, to do communion in some new ways, aren't we? We've got these little cups here because we're not quite ready for a pile of bread and some dipping in a juice. And so we're, we're doing it in our seats where we are. So if you're in the room here, you've got a cup. If you don't have a cup, you can jog out into the, the lobby and grab one. Um, if you push down on that tab and then then lift it up, your percentages of getting your cup open without spilling it increase. Um, it's a little challenging, I'm sorry if you've got one with the, they seem to build some of these with super glue and others with, with normal communion glue. If you're at home and you wanna grab something, a piece of bread, some juice, if you wanna do wine, that's fine. But here's what I wanna invite us to do, is to, is to take a deep breath and let's, let's just be silent for a minute. And at the end of the minute, 
I'm going to say amen, and then we're going to take and eat together. The little wafer represents the body of our Savior, Jesus Christ, beaten and nailed to a cross, broken for us, that we might be free, that we might be saved, that we might experience his grace and forgiveness. The juice represents his blood that was shed on the cross. Let's take a moment of silence together.